0: Thank you, Vivek, for that introduction and um, hippo video demo. It was very helpful. Uh, we're going to be—I hope everyone is well. First of all, <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking today about one of my favorite topics, and if you are all using Salesforce, this is really an ongoing issue um, with Salesforce, and that is user adoption. <clears throat> what we're going to go over today. And things that I have uh, basically had happen to me over the past five years in my sales career, uh, Salesforce career, and then uh, my experience as an end user, um, how that has contributed to uh, making adoption my kind of flag um, for my Salesforce career. So today we're going to talk about how you can make Salesforce easy for your team to use, how you can uh, utilize uh, your internal champions that will help you with adoption, uh, using third-party apps or going to the app exchange uh, for help when you can't do it in-house, the importance of ongoing training and how it relates to adoption, and um, then we'll have some questions and answers at the end. So feel free to chat any questions that you might have. There's a QA and a section, I think, um, if you have something while I'm talking, we'll answer those at the end. <laughs> um, so a little background on me. I was in sales for many years. That's, that was my career prior to um, entering Salesforce. And as a account executive, I used a lot of different CRMs, and most of them were all the same um, until I started using Salesforce, and I noticed um, that it just kind of worked for me, and I was able to really have a better graph on my particular book of accounts, Uh, and it showed in my commission checks at the end of the month. And when I first started using Salesforce, I became kind of the poster child at my company because I was blowing away the metrics um, and everyone wanted to know my secret, what I was doing, and I was simply the one salesperson that was using Salesforce and not my notebook. This was, you know, in the time of when we all had a binder to go through our book of business. So. I became an internal champion, and we'll talk about the importance of that later, but um, it was that experience that I had um, once I started my career in Salesforce and made that total switch from end user to behind the scenes, where I really focused on imparting how important it is to build from the end user's perspective. Um, A lot of... Projects that I've worked on, uh, oftentimes the very first line item to get cut from an SOW is training. Management doesn't see the point of it. They see Salesforce as a reporting tool only, and um, you know, just put it in. We don't need to train people. We'll figure it out. And inevitably, they're calling me six months later saying, "Oh." We spent all this money on Salesforce and nobody's using it. What's the point? Nobody knows how to use it. And I remind them, hey, you didn't let me come train them. You basically bought a Ferrari and let me walk out of the door with the keys. So I like to kind of tell that story to everyone that I meet that wants to cut out training. Say, that's fine. You'll either get trained now or you'll call me six months from now when nobody's using it. So it's very important that um, you have this buy in from the top down that managers understand that Salesforce is a tool, of course, for reporting. However, if you don't make it easy for the end users to use it, to get in there and spend the day giving you the information that you need for you to report, um, what good is it? So I like to work with businesses and certainly get the requirements that the managers need and and the metrics they need to report on. A lot of times I'm helping companies work those metrics out. Um, Salesforce is a wonderful tool, but you need to have really good processes in place um, in order to translate to great reporting and dashboards that the managers can make decisions off of. Um, so what I like to do is I like to sit with, um, the actual person that's entering the data, the salesperson, whoever it might be, and learn how their current instance of Salesforce isn't working for them, where they're getting stuck, how they want it to change, and what I can make easier for them. Oftentimes in a project, this is overlooked, um, you have to build with the end user in mind because they're the ones that are going to be using it. So if you make it easy for them, your data will come. Uh, Again, lining the business processes with Salesforce functionality is something else that I see uh, kind of lacking a lot uh, in Salesforce implementations when I come in after they've already been using Salesforce for a period of time. The business doesn't really have their process down. So it's hard for an implementer to translate that into Salesforce when they don't know, the business doesn't know themselves what they want um, automated and what process they have in place and so forth. So a lot of my job as a consultant is helping businesses determine the process, kind of helping them pare it down, get to um, the real need of what they're getting to. And this, by streamlining those processes and me having the Salesforce knowledge, being able to translate that into Salesforce, trickles down and helps the end user um, have a seamless experience. You want them, of course, in Salesforce for the minimum time. You don't want somebody spending a majority of their day, an hour, hour and a half updating their accounts and their opportunities and things like that because your process isn't in order. So there are a lot of things that need to happen at a foundational level um, in order for adoption to occur, if that makes sense. Once we get the processes ironed out for the business and we autom- or get Salesforce um, functionality worked in with those processes, there are a lot of opportunities for automation might occur. And, the importance for me in sitting down with an end user cannot be overstated enough. I often find ways to automate um, very basic fields that people are just kind of updating based on a status, based on this, based on that, not knowing that there could have been automation in place that would have saved the salesperson another five, ten minutes of just filling in values for fields. So... Once we are building with the end user in mind, all of these things will kind of come into place. You've got your processes in order. Uh, you have a consultant there that can translate your processes into Salesforce functionality. And your consultant is working with the end users to find out how they do their job and how they can automate certain parts of the end user's job so that management still gets the data that it needs. But your salespeople can do what they're there for, and that's to sell. Oftentimes, uh, KPI measurements um, for sales targets are in place. However, the management, when they get Salesforce, might not have an idea of adoption. So just the same way that you can measure um, that you wanna set sales targets for your salespeople, you can set targets for adoption and your uh, implementer or your admin um, can set up a adoption dashboard when you're trying to uh, impart to your end users how important that Salesforce is, you can take a look at this adoption dashboard and keep track of the people that are using the system. You can see very quickly and easily where Salesforce is working, um, who is not working it, and so forth. I found that implementing an adoption dashboard, even something very simple as who logged in last week, um, can be very helpful and motivating, especially for salespeople. We're used to we're used to those metrics. We're used to being measured. We want to be number one. So if I can, you know, talk to my coworker and say, hey Sarah, look at me, I'm number one for logins last week, um, you can kind of make it fun for the salespeople too. We all, that's our salesperson nature. We like to be measured. Um, so you have your adoption dashboard. Your processes are great. You have all this great functionality um, built in Salesforce. Now it's time to take that one step further. Your salespeople are entering data. You need, as a manager, to see um, the KPIs and where your sales are, where the opportunities are, and everything. So build Stellar dashboards and reports um, will really help, again, not only with the managers to make those important forecasting decisions, but also with the sales reps. Like I just mentioned with the adoption dashboard, we want to know where we're at. We want to know how far we are against the goal. We want to know where we stand in relation to the other sales reps and probably how much our commission check is going to be based on our month. So, Um, these dashboards and reports are very important, um, for adoption. One particular project that I was on, they really didn't have much in the way of dashboards and reports. They didn't really have much in the way of user adoption. This is why I was there, um, to kind of help turn that around. And what I found was a lot of the reps had been there for some time. And had their way of doing things and their way of keeping track of things and they really didn't care um, to see a dashboard or to see a report. Well, one of the things I asked management to do was to um, run their stand-ups using dashboards and reports and uh, one particular sales rep who was always number one, he was very good, uh, didn't see his name on there and was really upset that somebody else got the attention in the meeting. And the manager, quite frankly, told him, well, your opportunities aren't in Salesforce, and we're running these meetings based on this report, so get your stuff in Salesforce. That was very efficient, a very effective, very efficient way of uh, bolstering user adoption, at least by one, Um, but that getting that manager buy-in is another um, point we'll talk about next. Um, it's very important to have a management group that talks the talk and walks the walk, basically. Um, Teams see that managers don't care about what's in Salesforce. If they don't have any good reports and dashboards and they're not questioning where the numbers are coming from, your salespeople aren't going to use it. So my next tip is to, find those internal champions. Number one being buy-in from the top down. Um, It's very effective to have, like in the example I just talked about, running your stand-ups from Salesforce dashboards and reports. Salespeople like to be recognized. We are the peacocks. We want to be known. Uh, So, Having that buy-in by managers is very important and will help drive adoption. I've seen it time and time again. Not only is it important to identify those key stakeholders from the top down, uh, you'll often find people amongst your employees that are using Salesforce that really love it. I I was one of those people. Uh, I was what they call a power user. I loved Salesforce. It helped me immensely in my job and eventually led to a career choice because I loved it so much. And I wanted to help other salespeople, other business people understand how powerful Salesforce can be when it's used and set up correctly. So, finding those internal champions will not only help you as a team, if you're the um, technical IT team or the Salesforce admin at your company, and you're struggling with adoption, you've got management buy-in. Now I would implore you to go around your company, um, talk to people, sit with them, learn how they do their job. And I'm sure that during one of those conversations, you'll find somebody that really enjoys Salesforce um, entering the data, whatever it might be. They might really get um, a lot of joy out of their job and their Salesforce part of their job. Not only that, but they're good at it and they're consistent and they see the tool for the power that it is. Um, So those are the people that you want to identify. Um, What I would recommend is that you make a power user for each group in your company. Um, And this will help not only kind of increase adoption, but it will relieve your IT team from having to constantly train. Um, You're giving them, you're teaching them to fish uh, as the saying goes. So you're training these power users to kind of be extensions of your IT team with regards to Salesforce and how to use it. So making sure that you have that strong admin and dev team Um, is my final point for finding these internal champions. Um, You want someone, you want people on your team that are kind of excited about Salesforce and what it can do for the company, but you also want to be able to have them empowered. Um, They shouldn't be just order takers. They should care for the Salesforce org, have the ability to care for the Salesforce org, and roadmap it so that your business can grow and for management to trust that team to put the right changes in place Um, they will be running the system they will be driving the adoption with the management buy-in so that's a very important part of um, increasing your user adoption next i want to talk about um, using third-party apps and App exchange products. There are a lot of things, a lot of great things that you can build in Salesforce. For the typical admin team that I see, they're overwhelmed with requests, dev requests, um, a lot of complex um, requirements often come through. And what I like to let companies know, let my clients know, is that oftentimes when you're faced with something in Salesforce that you want it to do that it doesn't do out of the box, there's an app for that. So be smart about your time um, when it comes to making changes and dedicating dev resources to build something that you might already have, there might already be a solution for, could be free, could be paid, um, whether via a third party app or app exchange product. Hippo Videos is one of those um, products for you. Saw the demo at the top of the call. Um, so there are a lot of answers for your Salesforce problems so that you can save your precious dev resources for um, really making your internal org the best it can be. Um, but my advice there is just don't reinvent the wheel. Um, dev resources, admin resources are really kind of pushed to the limits um, in most enterprises that I work with. And something that they're spending months and months and months of development time or hiring outside consulting firms on, there's an already an app on the App Exchange that can um, handle that requirement. So I would advise you all to really kind of go onto the app exchange and research what's available for your particular edition of Salesforce, and make sure that you're not burning dollars and burning time, um, kind of reinventing the wheel. Finally, um, ongoing training is really the key to adoption success. You can't implement Salesforce and have a trainer come in and do a two-hour guide, a two-hour tour, and expect adoption to be 100%. It doesn't work like that. Salesforce is constantly changing. Your Salesforce development team is constantly making updates. Um, While they're making the updates, they might not have the time and resource to go through and um, update the company on everything that's happening. So ongoing training and building that into your mindset is really, um, really important for adoption. There are many ways that you can accomplish this. Number one out of the box is in-app guidance for Salesforce. So in-app guidance, if you don't know, um, can be configured by your Salesforce development team, giving your end user kind of pointers as to what what they're doing on the screen. There are also several third-party apps that do the same kind of thing um, a little bit more robustly than the out-of-the-box solution so again uh, if you want to kind of spend some time researching what's already uh, available for you on the App Exchange, it saves a lot of time. Training videos everyone learns differently um, I love to train people because I was there I was the end user and I was frustrated with the way things were um, So I get it. And I know people, the last thing a salesperson wants to do is spend a lot of time entering what they feel is unnecessary data. How do I get from here to there? I just want to close this opportunity. Why isn't it letting me? Um, So this is where I found training videos are really helpful um, for companies to build a repository of training videos that can run people through the process. And so you're not putting in a request for some one-on-one training um, so that you're not fielding these same requests over and over and over. How do I do this? How do I do this? When you onboard a new employee, you have this repository of training videos that you can give them that they can refer to and kind of make them more self-sufficient. So I love training videos for that reason. Um, Also, I think people learn in different ways. some people love a PowerPoint. Um, I don't, I hate PowerPoint. I don't learn that way. I learn best by doing. So one of my favorite ways to implement training program is lunch and learn. Um, One particular training project I was on for more than seven months where I, it was the same um, company I referred to earlier. They really had no adoption whatsoever. No, no resources really to train. Um, so I just had a lunch and learn every week. I said, you know, 12 to two, I'm going to be in this, in this conference room, there's going to be snacks and come learn about this great new way to do whatever in Salesforce. Um, so I would highly recommend, uh, companies implementing that doesn't have to be every week, uh, depending on the availability of your team, but I would definitely, um, suggest once a month. Um, for the lunch and learn. Or another um, program that I like to have companies instill is office hours. If an admin will have one hour, two hours a week, that somebody can come and ask them anything. Um, this is not only helpful for the end user, this is also helpful for the admin. When I implement office hours, I can see the issues that are coming in, and oftentimes this will kind of be a um, really good insight to your org and what's not working for people. If you're getting the same request over and over from multiple people in your company, you as uh, a developer are going to look at that and say, "Wait a minute, something something's not matching here. We've trained on this, we know the process. They're good Salesforce users, but for some reason we keep getting." this one kind of request over and over during office hours. So it's helpful for you uh, and your team to uh, implement these these things, the in-app guidance, the training videos, the lunch and learns, the office hours, to be open to your end users, what they're experiencing so that you can address those issues. This is all going to add up to them using the system more They're going to feel heard and they're going to feel appreciated and they're going to want to do what's asked of them. This has been my experience over the last five years. I had a very large training project that was initially going to be remote and the project sponsor said, you know, tell me your thoughts on this, Amy. What what do you think? It was a global training project, multiple countries involved, And I was very honest with her. I said, remote is great, but um, nothing beats face-to-face training uh, because things will come up when I'm in a room with you that you don't think about when we're on a video call because you're looking at your phone, you're wondering what I'm going to do on my next meeting, the kids are outside, whatever it is, you're distracted, in my opinion. She felt the same way, and we did a world tour, and I can't tell you how invaluable that was and how the conversations that came up. So being open and listening to your end users is probably the number one um, takeaway that you can have today for Salesforce user, user adoption. Uh, find out where their sticking points are. Why aren't they using it? What's going on? Um, and you can build your adoption program from that, utilizing... Um, the tips that I've given you, um, building the functionality into Salesforce, automating as much as possible, listening to your end users, being available to them, but making them also accountable. uh, And you should see a good increase in adoption. that's all I have today for my presentation. Uh, I guess we'll open it to questions. I do have a list of questions that I want to read and see if we can get these answered. I'm going to take a quick drink. One of the first questions I have wants to know, It's Prasanna, wants to know any guidelines in change management communication with end users. For example, there is a change in process, how a lead is processed, maybe adding a stage or a status or there's a change in how an activity is reported. So change management is very important. You can't, um, as a Salesforce team, you can't just go in and change people's jobs and not tell them, right? So most companies have a release schedule. They have a good communication around that. Um, Oftentimes, when a release happens, uh, a communication or a lunch and learn takes place. That's what I would recommend um, that the interested or the affected parties uh, join the Lunch and Learn. That's a great way to um, communicate change management. Also having documentation. Uh, I can't stress enough the importance of having your org documented, having change requests documented, and having um, a repository for that. Not only will it help um your internal team if any changes come by if if personnel changes the next um, salesforce member that comes on board will be up to speed and be able to refer to the documentation and understand what processes are already in place and things like that the next um, question is also from persona how to roll out new features and enhancements Um, i think this depends again on your particular change management strategy for example, we'll take Lightning. Transitioning people from Classic to Lightning is heavy in a lot of the projects that I work on now. And what we recommend is a pilot group, and then a, a phased rollout, um, typically based on the, the the size of the org and number of users and things like that. Um, that's how I would like to recommend rolling out new features and enhancements. Uh, if Again, if it's just one particular group that these enhancements apply to, you very easily handle that Lunch and Learn. Lunch and Learns are fantastic. You get the face-to-face, people are eating, they're happy, and they're getting something that's going to make their job easier, hopefully. Um, how to communicate limitations of certain out-of-the-box Salesforce features. This This is a tough one because Having Salesforce technical knowledge, understanding how to configure something in Salesforce or write the code or that it's a Visualforce page and not a community and things like that, um, the end users don't care about all that. So you have to understand who you're talking to. Oftentimes I've found that when a user is asking for something, it, it helps to not be very technical. Uh, because if I say, well, that's just a limitation of out-of-the-box Salesforce, oftentimes that's, that's okay with them. Um, or conversely, uh, if they push on that, then I would get an estimate from my developer as to how much that would cost, and um, that's pretty clear for, for most people. Um, so I try not to get into the weeds like, oh, the OWD is private, and this is why, and that that I, I try not to, to get into that level at all of explanation with an end user. Um, I just try to tell them that, you know, Salesforce, while it is a great tool, it does have some limitations, uh, but I would be happy to talk with a developer to find out the cost and level of effort to implement this request. Um, typically, that's, that's a good answer for most people. Um, The next question is from Jenny Lynn Garner and she says, what strategies and tactics have you found to be successful for user adoption during periods of change saturation? Um, This is a good question, Jenny, and thank you for asking it. Um, Change saturation happens in my experience when an organization doesn't have a good change management strategy and release schedule. So they're just constantly new updates, new updates, new updates. And just like you as a user of your Android or iPhone, you get sick of the constant updates or Windows users are always having updates. Your end users feel that fatigue as well. Um, So my strategy for that would be to help the company implement a change management process, a release schedule, so that you avoid this kind of saturation for your end users. And then, which ultimately results in them saying, well, you know, I'm not gonna use Salesforce because it's just gonna change next week, so why should I bother? You don't wanna have that attitude if you're trying to increase your adoption. So help your end users by implementing a good process before rolling out all these changes. What strategies and tactics are successful for breaking through the noise of many concurrent programs? Let's see, we have a QA and a section here. How do you go about getting more timely CRM entry? How do you get users to capture a sales activity right after a meeting, rather than at the end of the day or end of the week? This is a good question. Thank you for asking that, Willie. I see this a lot, and as a salesperson, I can tell you um, it depends. (laughs) It depends on your salespeople. So a lot of people are, and and how you're kind of, in. if you're inside sales, if it's a rapid kind of day, most inside sales reps I know are taking notes madly like crazy, and you'll see that entered at the end of the day. Um, Again, I would have to take a look. I would recommend taking a look at your process and your training, and maybe having a kind of, hey, this is an ideal day, an ideal way you should handle conversations with your contacts. For me, when I was a Salesforce user, I entered all of my activities right then and there um, because I didn't wanna do the double writing it down then going back and typing and trying to remember what my shorthand said. You miss a lot of things I think when you do that that way um, but I've also seen a lot of orgs where it's a rapid fire kind of situation and as soon as they're disconnecting a call they're on another call and they don't have time to um, type that long note or activity Einstein activity capture helps with that um, I don't know what ad- edition of Salesforce you have for that but I would recommend taking a look at your process and if, the sales reps are in charge of their calling activity, then it's a training issue. And they would need to maybe have a lunch and learn of, hey, this is the most efficient way to enter your calling activity for the day and things like that. So that would be my recommendation on that. Any other questions? I'm not seeing any new in the Q&A or in the chat.
1: Hey, Uh, I think uh, those are the questions from the audience uh, so far. I think that's about it. Uh, yeah, there's one more question from Tomlin. Can you please elaborate on release management?
0: What it is or how to do it, or both? <laughs> you basically want to have a process for when you're releasing features um, in production, whether it be um, most companies uh, are an agile Uh, mode and they have sprints and so they do the sprints based on their release calendar they've set with the development team. Um, So I have a number of requests that I need to complete within that sprint and then that will go into the next release. Smaller companies might not have a release management strategy. They might just be doing ad hoc as the request comes in, they're working on it, they're releasing it, release, release, and um, it can work that way uh, for a smaller organization, I think. But once you get any size of, of user base, you're going to want to have a strategy for releasing things to maintain um, your developers' stra- uh, sanity uh, and time and your end users uh, because You don't want to constantly be releasing new features like the other question um, that was answered earlier about saturation. Uh, They'll get fatigued if you're releasing new features every other day or every week. Um, You definitely want to have a strategy for releasing new features and changes and um, have a strong team that follows that and doesn't just do ad hoc changes and releases.
1: Uh, I think those are the questions that's it for today, I guess.
0: Great. Thank you so much.
1: Uh, there's one more question in the same person. Oh. What's about forcing end users for adoption if it really requires?
0: I don't know of any situation where forcing someone to do something. Um, I'm a mom and I have two kids, and I know that if I try to force them to do things, I get the exact opposite intended uh, response. So uh, I don't know if you want to have the attitude that you're forcing user adoption. I think you want to have a conversation with the end users and understand why, why they're not using Salesforce. Um, nine times out of ten, it's because they don't see the value of it. It hasn't been communicated from the top down. Why we're using this? Why do I have to spend time putting my notes in the system if I have this notebook? and things like that, they don't understand the very value, the very reason, the business reason, why you have Salesforce. So I think that if from the top down is communicated, hey, we make our um, buying decisions based on data in Salesforce, we make our staffing decisions based on what's in Salesforce, things like that where they can be part of the understanding of why we need Salesforce and why you need this data, um, in my experience has resulted in, in people using it more, um, but then followed by they need to be trained. They need to understand how to use it. And I can't tell you how often training just doesn't get done. Um, like I said, it's usually the first line item crossed off uh, a statement of work for me in a project. They don't want to pay for training. They just think people will figure it out and that just doesn't happen
1: typically. Yeah, there you go. So, turns out you can't force someone <laughs> to use it. So, you will have to explain what is the value you're getting out of it, train them, train them consistently, put the a process place. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think those are the questions for today. Uh, anyways, uh, thank you very much for the wonderful session. Amy. Sure people, you know, Thanks for having me. For, uh, we'll also send out the recording to you in a day or two. And uh, please expect that there will be all these things happening. Thank you very much for everyone for joining us. Uh, most importantly, uh, stay, stay safe, uh, stay strong. A oh, wonderful day. Thank you. Very much.